Welcome to Fret Not with me, Rosie Bennett. Fret Not is the podcast that aims to demystify the learning process that we all go through in our lives, work and otherwise. I'll be talking to the champions in our field about the lessons that have defined their careers and help us to work out how we can learn from what they've already figured out. Nothing in life is a linear process, so let's get more at ease with the ups and the downs and realise that wherever we are in our journey, we really aren't alone. This podcast is brought to you by Augustine Strings, a company with real hearts, a fascinating history and my guitar string of choice. Check them out at augustinestrings.com. Today I talk to South Korean classical guitarist Bo Kyung-byun. Born in Seoul, Bo began playing guitar aged six. Her pursuit of classical guitar then brought her to China at age 12, where she studied under Chen Ji, and then to the United States aged just 15, where she attended the Juilliard School for both her bachelor and master's degrees, and then completed her doctorate at the University of Southern California. Her competition wins have been numerous and include first prizes at the Philadelphia Classical Guitar Competition, the Montreal International Guitar Competition, and the Joanne Folletta International Guitar Concerto Competition, where she was the first female winner. Aside from touring and competing, Bo is a founding member of the Sounding Board Project, a new music initiative that focuses on promoting collaborative relationships between composers and performers to create new works for guitar. Details of their work, online festival, and how you can take part in their project can be found at soundingboardfest.com. Bo, what is a lesson you've learnt that has been the most meaningful to you? Um, The most meaningful lesson I've learned is to be okay with who you are and really try to fight your insecurities as a person, but also as a player. Mm -hmm. Because I think when you um, learn an instrument, especially a classical instrument, um, whether it's a guitar or violin, you're told what to do a lot from the Mm get-go. You're told this is wrong. Mm. you shouldn't be doing that that's wrong this is the right interpretation blah 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 and uh, in a way you're being judged all the time you're being judged in classes lessons master classes all these things so i think through all that and of course it has to do with my own personality i'm sure but i think i had this um insecurities building up inside of me mm. about my playing so it took a long time for me, uh, but one day I just said, you know what, screw this. <laughs> <laughs> I will do what I want to do because I don't know why um, classical music sometimes is, uh, if you feel just so confined, but mm. it's, at the end of the day, it's music. There's no real right or wrong and it's not black or white situation. So I said, I'm just going to do what I believe uh, sounds great and you know, after all these years of education that I received and the performances that I've seen, I just finally started to trust myself a little more. And mm. I sometimes see that a lot in younger players who, when they're asked to do something on their own, they just all of a sudden panic and they don't know what to do. So I just want to kind of yeah pass on this experience that you you do whatever you want to do if you really truly believe in it what do you think the origin of those playing related insecurities are where do you think that they come from 
I think it's just that really, it's just lots of being told what to do. And I, here's it. So I lately I've been looking through the old, my old videos, like when I was teenagers and my teacher back then in Korea, he had very little saying in what I was doing. So whatever I wanted to do, he would let me like crazy crescendo. Sure. Why not? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was watching those videos and I thought this feels sincere and that's, although it's very raw and sometimes doesn't make sense, but it feels real. But I think once I started going to, I think going into this like conservatory setting, mm. I think I just started being more hyper aware of mm. uh, being judged <laughs> mm. and uh, not wanting to make mistakes and things like that. And the stake gets um, higher as you get older too. So I think just a lot of things together contributed to me feeling insecure. And how did those insecurities manifest themselves? Were you scared to perform? Did you develop a low personal self-esteem? I mean, alongside your musical life, um, how did those insecurities present themselves? I couldn't play a piece unless I showed it to a teacher or a friend or someone who can kind of tell me, okay, that sounds right. You know, mm -hmm. I, I needed that validation every time. And then I struggle with it a lot. And I, I still am sometimes. Um, I do want that feedback. I'm like craving for it. So I do feel like that's completely reasonable, though. I mean, we all want people to enjoy what we do, even if we only play to serve our priorities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess it's just learning to differentiate that feedback that we want to actively use and then being able to process it as something external that we have internal power over instead of projecting it inward as an insecurity. Yeah. You said you felt your playing was real and raw looking back at your first videos. What was your playing relationship like with your first teacher? Did he lay down a lot of rules? He would just let me do things. He, I mean, he would obviously teach me here and there. Okay, that's completely wrong. Maybe you shouldn't do that and do this technical stuff. But yeah, I was totally in charge of what I was doing. And I did, he was pushing me a lot to perform. So I started performing really young. And back then, you know, when you're that young, um, people don't come and tell you, oh, uh, lady you're playing the wrong edition of the they don't do that you know what i mean like that phrasing in the third measure that was very freeing looking back um back then i didn't know i was just doing what i wanted to do so those insecurities then they developed a little bit later in your life oh definitely definitely back then it's kind of like you have no consequence in a way you're mm. still learning people are more forgiving and you're just having fun mm. and later the more the older you get you're trying to start a career you're trying to go to school you're trying to win this competition so i think the stress starts building up and you start doubting a lot i think that's mm. when it started happening mm -hmm. all of a sudden no one no one cares and you're actually not that good. Mm. I think that's what hurts when yeah. people start, or they don't say it, obviously, but you start realizing, well, mm. actually, you're okay. Like, I'm okay. Um, people are very nice to me. Mm. Yeah, that harsh <laughs> realization. Yes, I've been there. <laughs> um, how old were you when you started playing and what was your journey into guitar? Uh, I was six and before guitar, I tried a little bit of piano, but that never really worked out. Mm -hmm. um, and my sister at the time was playing violin and my mom was just done with 
this loud instrument, <laughs> practicing、mm. all the time. So I was just like determined that I was going to play something a little quieter.、Mm. And one day we're folding laundry, <laughs> and then we're just flipping through the channels, and we just landed on this educational channel where they were teaching or showing、um, some guitar playing.、Mm. And I said I want to play that. And my mom loved that it wasn't violin, so that's how I、yeah. got started. <laughs> and we went to a local guitar school, and it happened to be that the teacher was teaching classical guitar. So, you know, if he was teaching acoustic or electric guitar, I could be doing that right now. <laughs> so it's all just a coincidence.、Mm. And then, when you were twelve, you left home all alone to go and study with Chen Ji in China. Um, mm-hmm. How did that come about? You know, Meng Su and、uh, mm. all of these、mm-hmm. amazing guitarists were visiting a lot to perform in Korea at the time, and I got to attend the master class of、um, their teacher. And he said, "Would you like to come and study with me?" And for some reason, the translator didn't translate it quite right, so we didn't know that offer even、I、happened.、Know. Okay. Until like a year later, okay, we learned about、yeah. that, and we decided okay, <laughs> because we didn't because my, you know my parents are not musicians, so they don't really know how this like music education is supposed to be. You know, like、mm. the, this whole like conservatory, blah blah blah. Yeah. So they thought, oh, that's really cool. There's this really great teacher not too far away from Korea,、mm-hmm. you know, considering. Yeah. <laughs> so they <laughs> decided to、um, let me go. Because I wanted to go study there, so that's how it happened. And did you find that transition between Korea and China easy? I thought, you know, I was this badass, independent child, you know, the edgy <laughs> teenager.、Mm-hmm. But I got there, and I was just like crying the whole、oh. week. I was like, I want to go home. But yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of like culture shock moments,、mm. but. It it was good. I was there for about three years or so, and it was good. I got to do GFA during that time, and lots of exposure that I wouldn't have had in Korea. And did you find that there was a different level of pressure once you moved? Were you working maybe in a different way than you had been back in Korea? I was, and that just pushed me a little too hard, and I ended up getting injured in my wrist. Um, so that was really terrible because not only then, I was away from home、um, to do this thing, but now I can't even you know study. So it was like it was a really devastating time for me.、Mm. Yeah. Do you think that that injury came from overplaying because there was this new pressure to achieve? Yeah, I was definitely overplaying. I was just playing nonstop because I felt like I had a lot of catching up to do.、Um, mm. I was always like comparing myself to the students that were there and who have been there for a long time, and I just felt like I had to catch up. So I was practicing, practicing like six to eight hours a day, and you know, doing all these crazy exercises, and that just did a number on my hands. Mm. Mm. So I didn't play for I think two months or so, which, if you think about it, it's not that long. But、mm. back then, it just felt like eternity.、Mm. Especially being there. Yeah. Could you manage to learn from it at the time? I I think I learned to be careful、uh, mm. with that and like kind of be more hyper aware of what's going on. So I'm really thankful. 
that that happened in the very beginning stage of playing guitar mm-hmm. uh, rather than later. And then after three years in China, you moved to the United States. And first you were in L.A., then you moved to New York, and now you were back in L.A., am I right? Yeah, so after after China, I went back to Korea for a very short period of time. Uh-huh. And my parents thought, hmm, she can't be here. She needs to <laughs> go to the big world and learn more. Uh-huh. You see, we're clueless. So we're just looking mm. at all the guitars we love. We look them up online, reaching out to them. Mm. And you know William Cunningheiser from yes. Los Angeles Guitar Quartet? Yeah. He is just the friendliest person. So we're just, just random people emailing him to see if he would teach me. And mm-hmm. I was saying, oh, I'm a Korean student. Can I come and study with you? Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, you can do that. <laughs> totally. So I think within like a month or so, I was moving. <laughs> I was preparing to move right oh, away. Okay. And um, you moved so much when you were little. Did you find it intense or did you just get on with it? Yeah, it was intense and it was a little weird for me mm-hmm. um, because I never felt like I belonged in one group uh, completely, you know what I mean? Because I left at a young age um, from Korea that I felt like every time I went back, like I I couldn't 100% associate Mm -hmm. um, myself with the culture. And same goes for every other country that I moved to. I never felt like I 100% belong, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting. Like, well, I learned to kind of be that third person, like having that third perspective, and I'm okay with it now. But yeah, mm-hmm. at the moment, um, you know, when you're an angsty teenager, that was a difficult thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. But what is a lesson that you would like to impart? So looking back at the path I've taken so far, I really would like to tell young students who are. Um, in competitions and um, preparing for auditions, whatnot, um, to not compare themselves to others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was exposed to competition circuit uh, at a young age, mm. and I do appreciate how competition really pushed me to progress further than I probably could have. But I wish um, someone would have told me to just enjoy being in it. And this is just all a process. And this is not the end goal. Um, Mm. This is a a chance for you to meet people and then show people how you play. And yes, if you win it, that's great. That's a bonus. But that's not the main goal of doing competitions. But we often so get, we get just so... I tunneled <laughs> into just thinking I have to win this if I don't win this this is the end of the day and I'm never gonna be a guitarist but it really that's never how it works out you're mm. just you have to expose yourself um, to other people and that's a great opportunity to do that I know you started competing quite young so what were your first competition experiences like uh, the very beginning, I don't remember because I was in my first or second grade. I just remember preparing for it and it was really fun mm. because he would tell me all of a sudden specific instructions like you have to start practicing with this repeat because they're they're going to take points off mm-hmm. uh, if you don't and things like that. So it felt like a game in the mm-hmm. beginning. 
Mm-hmm. And then I kept on doing it because I kept on getting second, 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 like for millions of times when I was mm-hmm. young. So mm-hmm. I was just really fired up. I wasn't sad or anything about it, but I was like, this girl, she's always getting the first. I must beat this girl. Mm-hmm. And um, I never got to. Oh. <laughs> but um, yeah, I know. I, I think she got older. So like we started being in different age category or something. Ah, so okay. yeah. I finally won first place. She was already, she was not competing in the same age group. So, ah, okay. but mm. yeah, you're always chasing for that <laughs> dream that you can't achieve. I don't know. So in the mm. beginning, it was really fun. I think mm. it was a good motivating tool. And mm. I, I think I enjoyed like preparing for it too. So when did your attitude to competition start to change? After college, because I felt like I had to prove myself in a way. Okay. And I think it's just no one was telling me there are all these other ways that you can start your musical career, right? So I was like, oh, I see all these amazing players coming out of competitions and now they're performing everywhere. So that must be the only pathway so I kind of went down that road um in a way so I felt like I had to win I had to win to prove myself so that's when it started getting more stressful than fun it Mm. didn't feel like I was playing game anymore Mm. and uh, what's your best competition experience been so far the best one was the Joan Valletta one Mm. Um, and not because I won it but it's just everything worked out Everyone was just cheering for each other. Um, you have to rehearse with the pianist for the semifinals. So there's that element of engagement going on. And then for the final, you get to play with the orchestra. So in my mind, um, even if I don't win anything or even if I don't make it to the final, this was a great opportunity to play with other people and have this experience of doing that. Mm. It, it was fun. Mm. And I think I had a very healthy attitude going into it as well mm-hmm. so that one i that's the best competition experience ever and then if i can ask you what's been the worst one? Oh gosh so many <laughs> <laughs> there were everything else <laughs> really <laughs> i hate when they put you in the green room with someone else mm. because you know you're not trying to intimidate them and i'm sure they're not trying to intimidate you but just it stresses you out like you're mm. already stressed and then you hear this person of course playing this like the most difficult thing mm. perfectly and you're like oh my god and i have to go after this person or like before this person mm-hmm. and i have to say some of them are doing that on purpose you know yeah they're doing that to intimidate you playing all those scales exactly that's what they're doing Mm. and i'm like this and it's mind game Mm. i'm not good at it (laughs) so i'm like no don't listen (laughs) it's okay well if we ever compete in the same competition we'll be in the green room together because if they do the alphabetical name draw both of our surnames begin with b (laughs) that's amazing so we can just talk and be zen instead of uh, psyching each other out right (laughs) So that's the sort of green room pre-competing environment. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the post-competing process. What has your experience been with feedback? Oh, I <laughs> used to have a really hard time with that. Um, mm. Because sometimes it's just so personal. Yeah. And I understand why. Like now I'm starting to be on the other side sometimes, like where I have to give them feedback. And I try to be very careful and more 
objective about it mm. but sometimes you get this very subjective opinions like i mean the healthy ones like the constructive criticism of course you take it mm. and those you know like when you see it you, you don't feel attacked yeah because um you, like you already inside of you you know that your that's your weakness and something you can work on like mm. or you something that you never even thought about but when it's just something very subjective you know take it and leave it i think that's the best way to look at this um, competition feedback take mm. it absorb it as much as you can or as much as you want mm. and then mm. leave it i love that take it and leave it um <laughs> do you always go for feedback i think it depends mm. um I think it really depends. Um, there are times when I'm just genuinely wondering why I didn't make it uh, or, you know, what I could have done better in their opinion. Because sometimes, you know, being in uh, playing in competition is not just about playing well, but sometimes it's about what rep you played and in what order you played and mm. how, what kind of variety you had. So I'm always trying to get that kind of feedback to see what can be done better and more mm -hmm. appealing and just more diverse so if um i feel like the playing side was pretty well executed and it was the way i wanted i try to get feedback to mm -hmm. see um what their thoughts are on the way i presented myself i mean just just out of curiosity but when i think when when it just went terribly i'm like i, I know i know why <laughs> so mm -hmm. that, those mm -hmm. i don't really <laughs> because yeah. it's just going to be harsh and mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but well um but what is the lesson that you are currently working on so as a guitarist mm -hmm. in the classical music field i think we have this bias that's um that i call prove it again bias which is that we have to constantly prove ourselves like again and again to be taken seriously in a way compared to other instruments. So um, I try to, when I present the guitar to this so-called broader classical music audience, mm. I try to present what I think um, is the strength of the guitar music, which is diversity. Mm -hmm. um, guitar has arguably one of the most diverse rep, I think. Um, we have all these um, South American composers and Spanish music and Asian composers writing for guitar. And we always have this kind of catching up to do. We feel that we have to have more new music written for it. And because of people like um, Segovia, Julian Brame, all these pioneering guitarists who um, champion this new music and guitar, we have all these really diverse reps. So uh, that has been um something that i've been working on actively presenting that the diverse nature of guitar mm. to the broader audience you know it's just weird because um guitar is a popular instrument in general but at the same time the specific guitar that we play is just such a small margin of that and it's a weird dynamic, I think. And then when we go to the classical music side, we're again that little itty bitty group. Yeah. And mm. yeah, and within that, you know, female guitarists. And then you're like, oh, like how many times do I have to prove myself that mm. like, I, I like what I do and I'm pretty good at it? You know what I mean? It's just, mm -hmm. 
Mm. We have to prove, I feel like, um, twice harder to be considered about the same. Sometimes, of course, not always. Like, we, we play well, and then you go up there, and then people come to you, and they think they're complimenting you, um, saying things like, oh, I've never heard such loud sound coming from a female guitarist. It's like, mm-hmm. you think I'll be flattered by that? <laughs> like, why can't you just say, oh, you have such a loud sound? Mm, yeah, Period. right. I mean, the sting in the tail there is indeed it's that qualifier, despite being a girl. Um, I know you were quite young when you were living full-time in Korea and in China, but did you notice any difference in how the bias in Asia works in comparison to where you live now in the United States? I think so. I think Mm. very different. Growing up um, in both countries, Asian countries, we had a lot of just uh, girls playing guitar. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a weird thing to see a female guitarist. I never had that idea until I came to the US actually. I think that's because, you know, guitar is strongly associated with, you know, this rock music um, Mm -hmm. in people's minds. So they don't even think about, like girls don't, uh, the girls are less likely to um, Mm -hmm. pursue that, I think. Uh, yeah, I it was such a strange concept in the beginning, but you know you feel it <laughs> from experiences. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. There's this barrier that you kind of have to break through. Definitely a cultural thing, I think. I know that we wanted to talk a little bit about Asian identity and culture, um, and what it means to be Asian in both the context of just living in the U.S. but also in the classical mm-hmm. music world. Um, one of the biggest tragedies I think we face in the modern classical music era is that we have such fantastic players from Asia, but that they're constantly pigeonholed as technical or mechanical players. Have you ever mm-hmm. felt that in your life you've been judged in competitions for being Asian or that your playing has been painted with the brush of technical just because of where you were born? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Mm. As well as some YouTube comments, you know, Mm -hmm. you do something that's a little more technical. When I have YouTube videos when I where I was playing really young. Yeah. And the comments are like, I don't know how much abuse uh, went on in the household. It's awful, isn't it? Things like that. So Mm. that that was shocking. Um, And there was one so that Valletta competition in particular, the finalists were me and two other um, Asian uh, guitarists mm-hmm. and then the comments uh, thing I saw was oh, why are they all Asian well why are you seeing mm-hmm. that well mm-hmm. they just happen to be Asian so yeah indeed because the reality is that nobody would comment if they were white oh yeah but yeah, yeah. <laughs> something to fight against I guess mm. well all the while the haters are hating <laughs> you're busy with your new music initiative which is called uh, sounding board project And for listeners who don't know, would you like to explain just a little bit about what you do and how you started out? Oh, yes, 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 yes. It started out as just a talk. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to my composer friend who is not a guitarist. And she was saying how guitar is such a hard instrument to write for physically, Mm -hmm. but also like conceptually for Mm -hmm. them. One day I was playing the Ginastera Sonata and there's this whole 
preface written by Ginastera, and he talks in length about how growing up in Argentina and the national instrument is guitar. He kind of felt this pressure to write something for the guitar, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he just felt that it was too difficult of an instrument to write for at the time, mm-hmm. so he gave up. Mm-hmm. And later, Segovia approached him saying, "Oh, can you write something for guitar?" So he asked for a piece of advice on guitar writing, and Segovia, of course, said, "Write as if you're playing." piano with one hand only mm-hmm. and while that was a really practical advice that was off-putting for Ginastera yeah. being this virtuosic pianist Absolutely. he was thinking though why yeah. wouldn't I just write for the piano yeah. so he didn't do that again <laughs> turned that down and finally he was approached by Barbosa Lima mm. and this time Barbosa Lima just went you can basically write anything you want and make it sound just like the way you envision guitar to sound like and mm-hmm. through this really healthy collaborative relationship he finally got to write for the guitar and that really struck a chord with me so i was talking to my friend she mm-hmm. said that was the hardest um, part about writing for guitar and we said what if what if i help you write mm-hmm. something i'll be giving you feedback every step of the way and we thought what if we turned this into a project group where we kind of, <laughs> we're like matchmakers, you know, we mm-hmm. uh, provide this a relationship between composers and um, guitarists so that they work together from the beginning to the end. So that's how it got started two years ago. And so the first year the festival was in France and the second year the plan was to expand and open up to more people. Um, then the pandemic happened and now everything is online. Is that making it easier for anybody to take part? It was great because we got to invite more composers to work with maybe the composers that we wouldn't have worked because of regional limitation. We got to connect composers with guitars from everywhere and it was really fun. So yes, anyone can do it. <laughs> sounding Board Fest, um, it's soundingboardfest.com. Uh, if you're interested, check out the website and you can reach out to us. Great. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Fretnot. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review and subscribe to be the first to listen to each new episode as soon as it's released. Join me in two weeks' time, where I'll be talking to classical guitarist Jan Koch about freedom, intuition, and the wonderful world of nonsense. <laughs>